0: Everyone, Welcome back to another episode of Janine Between the Lines. It's me, Janine. I'm in a weird mood, but I'm just really excited to finally start my series about 1Q84 by Haruki Murakami. I've got the Goodreads kind of synopsis pulled up and I'm just going to read like a little bit. So if this is a novel that you're not familiar with, hopefully this helps you kind of determine if you want to start reading this with me or not. So The year is 1984, and the city is Tokyo. A young woman named Eomame follows a taxi driver's enigmatic suggestion and begins to notice puzzling discrepancies in the world around her. She has entered, she realizes, a parallel existence, which she calls 1Q84. Q is for question mark, a world that bears a question. Meanwhile, an aspiring writer named Tango takes on a suspect ghostwriting project. He becomes so wrapped up with the work and its unusual author that soon, his previously placid life begins to come unraveled. As Aomame and Tanko's narratives converge over the course of this single year, we learn of the profound and tangled connections that bind them ever closer. A beautiful, dyslexic teenage girl with a unique vision. A mysterious religious cult that instigated a shootout with the Metropolitan Police a reclusive, wealthy dowager who runs a shelter for abused women, a hideously ugly private investigator, a mild-mannered yet ruthlessly efficient bodyguard, and a peculiarly insistent television fee collector. A love story, a mystery, a fantasy, a novel of self-discovery, a dystopia to rival George Orwell's 1Q84 is Haruki Murakami's most ambitious undertaking yet, an instant bestseller in his native Japan, and a tremendous feat of imagination from one of our most revered contemporary writers. I mean, tell me that doesn't sound appealing to at least one of you guys. I'm really excited to talk about it. Um, Quick mention. Up to this point in time, today is February 3rd. I have read up to page 263, and today's episode is kind of going to be about the quotes that I found significant. Um, kind of mainly three certain ones. I've got a little bit I'd like to talk about about my experience with bullying and how Tango kind of put that into perspective. Um, what else? And then there's a good amount that I'd like to talk about about women and self-defense and the necessity for um women to be more protective of themselves also the fragility of men and their egos when it comes to women doing certain things so if you're excited to hear me talk about certain things if you eventually feel like you want to read along with this for me I'll be on this book for a while so if I have any uh, cool listeners who are going to read along Go ahead and uh, hit that uh, applause, or tweet me, email me. I want to know if you're going to read along with me, but thanks again for listening to this podcast, and stay tuned. I need to stop overthinking and just record. Sorry about the clicking in the background, I'm filming in the living room, and... There is just an incessant click where the cable box kind of just does its own thing. But the first part I took a highlighter to is you can find it on page 90. And let me give you a little background. So Tango has this girlfriend. She is an older lady, she's got a little girl, and they're talking on the phone. And he's talking to her about how her little girl is starting to be bullied because she has asthma. So people or her classmates are excluding her from different activities and um, how she's sweet, her grades aren't bad, but just because she has this one little thing, um, they start to bully her. So I thought that kind of struck a chord because in my past OTT, I talked about that with my brothers. I think I talked about it in one of my... um, book episodes as well, but I feel like bullying and growing up with it and learning from it, it's affected a lot of my loved one's lives and some of my close friends as well. So it was a couple pages. I'm just going to kind of skim through it and tell you all what I thought as I was reading. So Pretty much the girlfriend said the reason why they're bullying her is because she can't participate in lots of activities, and Tango says, I don't get it. You'd think they'd take special care of a kid with asthma, not bully her. She says, it's never that simple in the kid's world. Kids get shut out just for being different from everyone else. The same kind of thing goes on in the grown-up world, but it's much more direct in the children's world. And then he asks, can you give me like concrete examples and he says she said uh just things that continued on a daily basis for her so a lot of the kids were hiding her stuff purposefully excluding her not speaking to the child or doing nasty imitations of her and doesn't that kind of bring back like you know I feel like elementary school and middle school are the worst in terms of where people get bullied the most or where it starts because, you know, like, when I think of, like, basic, immature bullying, I think of, like, you you know, you think of, like, TV bullying where people, like, the bigger kid takes your things, holds it above your head, and you can't reach it, um, like, making faces or sticking your tongue out and all that kind of stuff, and just kind of being generally mean. And then I think of the imitation game, too, where it takes it to a new level where, um, they were at that boys' school, and they shoved him under a bunch of floorboards and were stepping all over it, and that's the kind of thing that I feel like she's going through, and then Tango, or Tango um, replied to that saying, oh, yeah, you know, those aren't that severe, but she asked him, "Did you ever experience bullying when you were a child, and Tango says, I don't think so. Maybe I just never noticed, and then the girlfriend says, if you've never noticed, it never happened, I mean, the whole point of bullying is to make the person notice it's being done to him or her. You can't have bullying without the victim noticing. And it really is. It's just a power trip. Like, bullies, like, intentionally have... I I wouldn't call it a complex. But that's... They derive satisfaction from knowing that they brought somebody down. And it kind of sucks. Like, I wonder what part of the brain like, needs the satisfaction of you making someone feel, like, less than they are. And the reason why I felt like that was important to me, because the way that Tango says it, yeah, he was a bigger kid, and he, um, again, I don't know him personally or anything, but from what I've read so far, he seems like a genuine kind of keep your head down kind of guy, and for me, I feel like going through, being bullied has given me like a greater respect for people you know who are genuinely nice and don't um put people through that because you learn that's how you never want to be treated like after I was bullied in middle school and high school about certain things a little I think I was bullied mostly in middle school and a tad in elementary, not as much. I shouldn't say high school because I don't think I was. But, um, you know, I've been put down for, well, one that I mentioned in a previous podcast. I had, like, false accusations in gym. A, pe- a few girls started a rumor saying that I was a lesbian and I was kissing some other girls in the locker room, which was completely untrue, and they would snicker at me and call me gay for, like, a week straight for no reason at all, and it was, you know, it was purposefully to exclude me, even if it wasn't true. It gave them, like, gave them a certain power, I guess, and I remember distinctly in elementary school, I was Lil' Tubs. I was a weird shaped human. Like, (laughs) I've always been kind of lanky, but then my stomach would always protrude. And I remember it was either in like fifth grade or so, or in late middle school. And one of the girls looked at me and she was like calling me fat. And she's like, Why do you have the body of like an adult? like, you're only in eighth grade, you should look, like, smaller, you should look more skinnier, this, 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 and, you know, that actually really hurt my feelings, like, I do have very, I feel like school and certain family things, they make me, like, those are the origins of me being a slightly insecure individual, (laughs) slightly, I say that lightly, but it has affected me, and it has, like, affected my body image over time, and I'll get, kind of get to it later, because she mentions it, As they go on with their conversation, but it did make me have more respect for people who do like choose to be like positive and nice individuals. And it makes me actively think that I would never want to make someone feel that way and I would never make the decision to put someone down if like it's within my own right. Like, I would never do anything purposeful like that. And there's no part of me that gets satisfaction from that. Um, So they go on talking. And um, Tango said, were you ever bullied? And she says, never. I did do some bullying, though. And then Tango says, you were part of a group that did it? and she said yes in the 5th grade we got together and decided not to talk to one boy i can't remember why there must have been a reason but it probably wasn't a very good one if i can't even remember what it was i still feel bad about it though i'm ashamed to think about it i wonder why i went and did something like that i have no idea what we made what made me do it and that's the thing too like that alpha mentality and having like this group of friends and you know there's that one person who kind of, like, leads the group, and if she makes a decision decision that she doesn't like somebody, it's, like, the whole group has to follow. And I've been a victim of that before, too. I stuttered so bad. I have been a victim of that, and I think as I got older, I started to realize, like, I can have my own opinion, and that's kind of a big thing for me, too, just because one person doesn't like another even if you're like person one's friend and then your friend is like oh I don't like her she did this to me she did this to me I started to I used to be that quote unquote supporter friend like if you don't like somebody then I automatically don't like them and I'll be just as resentful to them but I usually like to take a step back and like oh like this person has never done anything to me Like, I hear and I understand, like, your feelings about this person. This is why I needed to get a recording microphone. But, like I was saying, I see why you dislike this person, but it's not affecting me directly. And I'm not a big fan of people who just jump on a boat and decide that they don't like someone or something because a whole group decides it. Um, But going on... She says, finally, everyone feels safe belonging not to the excluded minority, but to the excluding majority. You think, oh, I'm glad that's not me. It's basically the same in all periods and all societies. If you belong to the majority, you can avoid thinking about lots of troubling things, which that I was like, that can relate to a lot of things that's, that are troubling in our society today. And it does make sense. Like nobody wants to be that person who, you know, every single day you learn to present yourself in the best way possible and for someone to attack anything about you and then have that be known to you. Like you don't want to be a part of that like small group that's getting picked on, you know, it's just not a good feeling. And then Tango says, and those troubling things are all that you can think about when you're one of the few. And then she says, that's about the size of it. But maybe if you're in a situation like that, you learn to think for yourself. And that was what I was saying too. Like, I'm biased. And of course, I consider my friends and my family who have been through it, I consider them good people. But I think it's because we have been through a lot and why we would never do this to other people. I don't, I can't. I can with confidence say that none of my friends now are bullies like we're too we're too uh old for that and we've learned from it and we're better than that they end up concluding the conversation and she's being consoled and Tango's pretty much like yeah well you better not think about it too hard um I doubt it'll turn out to be that terrible. I'm sure there must be a few kids in her class who know how to use their brains, and that is true, like to go completely astray, I have always had like i don't know, I think bullying can happen I think bullying can happen in any kind of environment, but some people pose the situation that, oh, like this is how like homeschooling and public schools versus private schools versus homeschooling like I want to send my kid to a public school so that they can learn how to interact with people and they have to go through this to learn about how to deal with adversity and troubling things and be able to like tough it out and get through it and then some people reason that people who are homeschooled don't know how to deal with that and are all more sensitive and all this kind of stuff. I went to public school. Like, I, I'm not ashamed of it at all. I That doesn't mean I wouldn't consider homeschooling or consider, like, private school for my kids because, oh, yeah, I've heard many a bullying story about some of my friends in, like, private Catholic schools. So I don't think that that's the issue. But I agree with Tango in the sense that, you know, I'm hoping, (laughs) why am I giving like hopes to this small little girl who's like the most like non-significant of characters in this novel, but like I'm hoping, like I have hopes for the little girl with asthma, any like little girl out there, a little boy who's like going through some like shiz at school, like y'all can tough it out, people are being mean, just stay in their own lane, stay in your lane, there's a reason why they're doing it. And maybe it's like an outlet for them because they have stuff going on at home. I wish I, you know, was in that perspective when I, when it was happening to me. I've shed a few tears here and there. Like kids can be me and sometimes it's not even on purpose, but I don't know. Like I wouldn't be as, you know, I I don't want to say nice, but I probably wouldn't have like the same outlook on things if I didn't have to go through that in my younger ages now like when people are like that I kind of just brush it off there are still things that really get to me but I know that what I experienced like from then has made me a better person so that's kind of why I wanted to bring that up in that uh, little section there The next part that I sticky-noted was, it's on page 145, and it's the situation where uh, Fuka Ari, she is the author of the book that Tango is trying to rewrite. They're going on a train to talk to, Tango doesn't know yet, but it's her, pretty much her legal guardian, to get approval that he can rewrite her novel, and there's just this tiny little excerpt at the end of this paragraph. And it's pretty much Fucaeri in her, like, own, her personality is kind of to be this, like, not soft-spoken. She is soft-spoken, but very short sentence, like, only talks when she needs to kind of girl, a little bit hard to read, very mysterious. And they're pretty much sitting on this train in utter silence and, like... She already doesn't say much, but the train ride is pretty much being described as Tango, like looking out, waiting for her to say something. But um, it starts with this. So it says, Neither of them said anything for a long time. Fukaeri shut herself up in her own enigmatic world while Tango tried to calm himself with several quiet, deep breaths. Except for the occasional distant bird cry, the room was hushed. Tango listened to the silence which seemed to offer several different meanings. It was not simply an absence of sound. The silence seemed to be trying to tell him something about himself. And I liked that one a lot. Raise your hand if you're one of those people who get irked when there's too much going on in a room. Like... I love me a good party like a full like the room is filled and like there's music and all that kind of stuff and you know but there's a time and a place for that but when there's too much clutter around be it physical clutter conversations all in different directions coming at you and even if it's like a one-on-one kind of situation when you're with someone and you feel, like, the need to always be talking. I feel like what I got out of this part of the book and why I sticky-noted it was because I'm someone who appreciates, like, silence a lot and being able to, like, have no distractions and no, you know, commotion. I, uh, I appreciate, like having people and being around people where we don't have to do a lot of talking, which I know it could sound like an oxymoron because I never shut up about everything. But hey, this is a platform where I just get to talk. So don't don't try to ride on me for like always saying something on this podcast because if I didn't talk on this podcast, you'd be listening to straight silence. I don't know. Maybe you'd be into that and you could hear like bird sounds. But this is my, you know this is my safe space guys when I'm like interacting with people or I'm in like certain environments I I do I think I mentioned that in an OTT too like I appreciate somebody who doesn't have to like fill a room with conversation to be comfortable and I don't I'm more adverse to someone who like always has to be talking just to talk. Or even it goes into which again could be could be going on a tangent but like it reminds me of a situation of like people that listen to respond or instead of like listening to uh what what am I trying to say? You guys know what I'm saying? It's like people that are like, oh, listening to respond rather than listening to understand. So you know those people where you're telling them a story and either A, they interrupt you like every other second with what they think. Oh, but I think, but I, I think I want to like, I've been here before and give them like, they want to give you their like input about it. B, they're like not actually listening at all. And then they start like talking about something else when you're trying to like, you know, get information, or just let your feelings out, or anything, and rather than, like, letting you get what you need to get out, they just either brush it off, don't respond how you want them to, or, like, they're only listening so that they can have their thoughts put out about it, which, granted, nobody is perfect, like, I do it all the time sometimes, like, ask my friends sometimes I'll like space out when people are talking to me because I'm actually a squirrel and I'll be like oh uh, sorry say that again like I'm very much a squirrely kind of girl but I um, I I take pride in being somebody that my friends can come to if they need to like vent or let things out because I'll you know I'll be attentive and you know on my head and I try to be what. Anybody else needs in that situation. That's probably like the nurse and me, but like I want to help you and be the friend that you need in that moment. Sometimes I don't need you to tell me what you think I should do in a situation. I just want someone to listen or like empathize and or just simply sit with me while I'm feeling upset. Like just presence and being in the moment is so important to me. And Silence. I feel like that could go. You could go so many ways with that. Like, it's an escape. It's a, it's a mindset when it comes to like meditation and being able to quiet your mind and kind of ground yourself is so important. And I just picked up yoga, at like my yoga mat, the other day, and like did a couple of flows, like in my living room, when I was finally by myself, and. I don't know it made me feel really good and I always come out of it very optimistic when I get to have a moment to myself like with silence and to reflect on like what I'm gonna do next or how I'm going to you know put my next foot forward and I think I like the idea that Tango is doing this right now like in context of the book he's like on this journey where he doesn't know what he's going to do next and I'm sure in that moment he really appreciates even if it's like with this girl who he doesn't know what to expect from her but he can take that moment of silence and just enjoy the beautiful ride and you know kind of think over what his next move is going to be so that's kind of how I took that. So the next part that tickled my fancy, I feel like I don't even have to explain why I like it. There's this chapter, it's chapter 11, starts on 161, and it's called The Human Body is a Temple. And this is kind of talking about Eomame. She's the lady assassin, the one who's kind of trapped in this alternate world that I'm reading thus far, so right now it's seeming like she's herself, but she's in a different time period. Pretty much what she does is she goes around and kills, um, uh, not convicted, but she works for the dowager who, um, helps rescue abused women, and she goes and murders the abusers in very, uh, sneaky, kind of untraceable ways, so this whole, I guess I should say listener discretion advised, mostly for any males that are listening, (laughs) because she is an assassin, and she starts to, um, kind of, uh, reflect on how she, like, goes up against males, so the beginning of the chapter, it starts out with her, um, saying that a kick in the balls is the way to go when it comes to women defending themselves against men in drastic situations, so... Starts out, she's pretty much saying, uh, it says, generally speaking, there's no other way for a woman to take down a bigger, stronger man one-on-one. This was Ilmame's unshakable belief. That part of the body was the weakest point attached to, or rather hanging from, the creature known as man. And most of the time, it was not effectively defended. Not to take advantage of the fact was out of the question. Um, And then... She said, she goes on how she was talking to one of her colleagues about men describing how that pain felt. Fear man, (laughs) is this weird to ask for? But like, let me know if you agree with this description. But she said, um, not even the strongest or toughest man, it seemed, could bear the pain and the major loss of self-respect that accompanies it. And then the man she's talking to says, it hurts so much that you think the end of the world is coming right now. I don't know how else to put it. It's different from ordinary pain, said a man. And then he says, um, what's it called? She said, conversely then, would you say that when the end of the world is coming right now, it feels like a hard kick in the balls? And then he says, never having experienced the end of the world, I can't be sure, but that might be right. There's just this deep sense of powerlessness, dark, suffocating helplessness. So... She goes on to say um, that after she graduated from, she went to a college of physical education. She started training um, women in self-defense. She was in charge of muscle training and martial arts. And this club that she was training, it was like an exclusive club with high membership fees. And there are a lot of men and women who paid big money for her. And some of them were celebrities, and they all came for her self-defense techniques. But when she taught her special class for women, this is what she says. She made a large canvas dummy in the shape of a man, sewed a black work glove in the groin area to serve as testicles, and gave female club members thorough training in how to kick in that spot. In the interest of realism, she stuffed two squash balls into the glove, the women were to kick this target swiftly, mercilessly, and repeatedly. Many took special training, special pleasure in the training, and their skill improved markedly. But other members, mostly men of course, viewed the spectacle with a frown and complained to the club's management that she was going overboard. As a result, Eomame was called in and instructed to rein in the ball-kicking practice. And then she said, in defense to herself against the manager, she said, realistically speaking though, It is impossible for women to protect themselves against men without resorting to a kick. Most men are bigger and stronger than women. A swift testicle attack is a woman's only chance. Mao Zedong said it best. You find your opponent's weak point and make it the first move with a concentrated attack. It's the only chance a guerrilla force has of defeating a regular army. The manager did not take well to her passionate defense. You know perfectly well that we're one of the few truly exclusive clubs in the metropolitan area, he said with a frown. Most of our members are celebrities. We have to preserve our dignity in all aspects of our operations. Image is crucial. I don't care what the reason is for these drills of yours. It's less than dignified to have a gang of nubile women kicking a doll in the crotch and screeching their heads off. We've already had at least one case of a potential member touring the club and withdrawing his application after he happened to see your class in action. I don't care what Mao Zedong said, or Genghis Khan, for that matter. A spectacle like that is going to make most men feel anxious and annoyed and upset. Big eye roll. And then, usually I'd comment on that, but I feel like the next part that... um. Murakami says, it pretty much just, uh, wow, I totally just butchered that name, Murakami writes, it puts my response perfectly, into towards, pretty much, the next part says, Yamami felt not the slightest regret having caused male club members to feel anxious and annoyed and upset, such unpleasant feelings were nothing compared with the pain experienced by a victim of forcible rape. She could not defy her superior orders, however, and her self-defense classes had to lower the level of their aggressiveness. She was forbidden to use the doll, and as a result, her drills became much more lukewarm and formal, and there was nothing she could do. And then kind of towards the end... Um, It says, AOMA's opinion that if she were unable to deliver an effective kick when forcefully attacked by a man, there would be very little else left for her to try. In the actual heat of combat, it was virtually impossible to perform such high-level techniques as grabbing your opponent's arm and twisting it behind his back. That only happened in the movies. Rather than attempting such a feat, a woman would be far better off running away without trying to fight. And... um. It kind of ends <laughs> with her like thoughts about it. She said, if there's any guy crazy enough to attack me, I'm going to show him the end of the world close up. I'm going to let him see the kingdom come with his own eyes. I'm going to send him straight into the southern hemisphere and let the ashes of death rain all over him and the kangaroos and the wallabies. I thought that was pretty B.A. And I can just, like, imagine... If I was in that manager's office and he was telling me, you can't, you can't be doing that anymore because you're making all of the men upset and annoyed and it's making them really uncomfortable. <laughs> That's great. That's wonderful. So sad that you feel that way. But I mean, it's true. Who was I talking to? Like, It is true. Unless you are in a situation where a man is attacking you and he is attacking you and significantly less strong and smaller than you, it is very hard for women. This isn't, like, I don't want this to be, like, an ignorant generalization of me, but even I can recognize that. Even, you know, I'm not... I've never done, like, karate or self-defense classes, which is what I was kind of going to allude to. Like, I would want my daughter, I don't want to say in this society, because no matter where I would be born in, I'd want her to know how to defend herself in any, like, event that she was in danger. But, um, I don't even remember where I was going with that. But, like, it's true. Like, stand me up next to some, like, the next guy I see, I probably couldn't, I don't confidently think if somebody, if a man were to attack me, that I would know the right things to do, other than, like, try to get him where he's weakest, because there's no, there's no, um, I don't know how how I want to say this. There's no way that I like would feel confident that I could like take him down myself and be safe unless I had like foreign objects around that I could use one on one. I wouldn't be able to take him. And if this is a matter of life or death and you're protecting yourself, I think. Heck yeah, freaking, but she said that, like, it's the only chance a guerrilla force has of defeating a regular army. It's so funny, because the beginning of this, that I, I'm kind of skipping around this, like, first um, third of the chapter, but she said, um, one had to deliver a lightning attack to the adversary's weakest point and do so mercilessly and with the utmost ferocity, just as when Hitler easily brought down France by striking at the weak point of the Maginot Line. I was just watching those new documentaries about World War II on Netflix and the Maginot line and how, like, he drew them out to, um, it was kind of a, a, a diversion. Like, he brought them out towards the sea and then went in as fast as he could to the weak spot where he drew them out so that they could um, kind of infiltrate from the back and they wouldn't have even expected it. So you have to, like, use your opponent's weaknesses to frickin' get that W, you know what I mean? And I just thought it was funny <laughs> how why would a man feel like victimized? We're not they're not doing it because like, say a guy club member like was watching them and he was like, they shouldn't be doing that. Like, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Yeah, well if you don't want that to happen to you, then don't get in any, like, don't have any thought in your mind that you're going to attack women, like, only somebody with fragile, like, egos would even try that, like, if you don't want to be kicked in your nutsack, then don't try to attack the ladies that are freaking being trained with her, so I just thought, uh, you know, hashtag girl power, um, I encourage everyone and not just like, it's kind of scary, you know what I mean? Because say, and we do live in a crazy time where you do have to know how to defend yourself and anyone and everyone, you know, strangers can be like, you never know who you're going to meet or what their intentions are and you can only, you know... We are blessed every day to come home safe and to go to work and go places and be safe at where we are in public places and private, but, like, of course I think that Ayo Mama is doing good by helping these women, and especially in their culture, like, I know that probably is, I don't mean for it to be an ignorant generalization, but correct me if I'm wrong, I don't, I'm not 100% sure, but is it culture in japan for like it's kind it's kind of like just an old uh standard anyways that women are to be like more meek and quote unquote submissive and a little bit like is meek the right word and i don't want to say weaker but we pose like a less aggressive um like air to the like dynamic of a man and a woman or a husband and a wife like that's an old that's an old standard that we've had for generations and generations especially I think Asian cultures to like serve your husband and do right by him and he's there to protect you but I think every woman should be able to protect themselves regardless of if it's this method or not you know I was just reading the whole thing with like a satisfied like smug smile on my face for no reason i probably was like super stupid but it's like women you should do anything to empower yourself and to feel safe like in the skin that you're in you know what i mean and i just think um it's I I can't believe that the manager would be like it's, it's a spectacle. You shouldn't see that. I mean I know this isn't real life, but in this like situation, like that just goes to show you that any person that is intimidated by a strong female presence, probably you should like check in on yourself. You've got to learn to like strengthen yourself from the inside, and don't go around messing with women period, just period, maybe that would teach them a lesson, like, oh, these girls are strong, now I won't have an idea, but it shouldn't even have to get to that place, let's change culture, and, like, you know how people, there's those, like, not memes that are going around, but it's, like, the way that you don't, like, like, teaching, like, young boys and young men not to rape, it's, like, just don't do it, never, let's, like, X that. Let's not make that a thing. And that's a whole different story that we could go into. But really like that passage. Glad I read it. Glad there's a super strong female. And it's, it's nice because Ayo Mama is this like low-key BA who she's like this sleek, does her job, makes her money. She's so skilled in so many aspects She is similar to Fuka in some aspects, but like she's the on the different spectrum. Like she's like the strong, like confident, like walks with like grace and does everything with a purpose and is wonderfully successful. And then Fuka kind of shows the like more feminine side. Like I'm proud to be. I always tell people that I love being a girl. <laughs> like, being a girl is so fun, and being, like, having different sides to you is so fun. Like, Fuca is, like, the... I don't want to say gentler. She's not being painted out to be gentle, but she is more of a, like... I, a general term would be a softer presence, but you kind of get both... Um, both parts of the globe with that one just don't hurt women guys it's not that hard does anyone feel like i mean i you is it weird that i'm using the word balls (laughs) oh sorry everyone i'm just reading from a book it's a great book hope i didn't make you too uncomfortable there my friends hope you guys enjoyed that episode of my first part of 1Q84. There will be more to come. A few more exciting episodes to, your to here to come as well. Um, I've got a big three-part series coming that I think you guys are gonna like. It's pretty personal to me, and I'm breaking it up um, into parts for special reasons. So, if you liked this episode like this podcast don't forget to follow me like me rate me review me on twitter on anchor apple Podcasts, and spotify that would mean the world to me and i love you guys and i'll see you in the next episode bye